Hi, this is Michelle. And this is Deanna. And this is Historical. So, Deanna. So, Michelle. So, our unnamed but somewhat named spooky month has now come to a close. Oh, so sad. Welcome to November. Welcome to November. Yeah. Before we get into today's November-y episode, I believe we have some affairs. We do have an affair to get into order today. We officially have a new member of the coolest club on the block, our Patreon club. So shout out to Johnny P. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Welcome to the club. Hope you're doing well. And just thank you. Thanks for the support. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoy the back catalog because we now have like kind of an official back catalog. We do. There's like some really cool stuff there. So yeah. let us know what you think. Hope you enjoyed it. And thank you for your support. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I think that I think that was it. is all of our affairs for the day. I agree. What are we what are we talking about today, Michelle? Oh boy, I'm so glad you asked. What you got? Uh so today we are going to be talking about the gunpowder plot, aka Treason Night, aka Guy Fox Day, oh. aka Bonfire Night. Like V for Vendetta? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's the only context I have. Okay, great. And if you have not seen V for Vendetta, that is my media recommendation for the episode. It's a really great movie. Is it historically accurate? It's uh, it's not mesh. So this happened in like the 1600s. Mm-hmm. I almost said 16th century, which is like my biggest... No, no. Anyway, 1600s. Got it. And so V for Vendetta is kind of like a modern day play on what was attempted in the 1600s. Gotcha. So an inspo, sort of. Yeah, and it's very heavily influenced by this night, which we're going to talk about. Well, tell me all about it. Okay, so you know that now that we have some episodes out. We have a few. We have a few. Oh my God, this is our 20th episode. It is. uh, This is crazy. I love referring back to old episodes. I love when the history that we tell intertwines. It's true. So a a string. The string, The string of time. And we're going to go back and start on our favorite thread, our tutor tour. Our tutor tour. Yes, our tutor tour. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So the last time we talked about our good old tutor family, we discussed Bloody Mary, Mary Mm -hmm. I of England. Yep. So if you remember from that episode, and if you haven't listened, just a quick recap, she died childless, Mm -hmm. and then Elizabeth I took over. It was like her half-sister. Both their fathers was Henry VIII. Yep. And so Elizabeth took over her reign, and we'll do her eventually too, but her reign was very long, prosperous, by all accounts, a a good period for England. Mm -hmm. But she died childless as well. Okay. Which was kind of like the official end to the Tudor reign. And again, another episode we're going to talk about, so I don't want to like go into too much detail, but she had a great beef with Mary, Queen of Scots. 
Oh, okay. And this was her cousin, and there was this whole beef, whatever. She ends up chopping off Mary, Queen of Scots' head. Long story short, at the end of the day, Elizabeth kicks the bucket and was like, cool, my successor is Mary, Queen of Scots' son, James. Okay. So, like, that's a lot, and that's a lot that we're going to unpack in future episodes. Gotcha. But for today, that's all you need to know. Okay. Noted. So... Kind of recapping why I wanted to bring all that up is that if you remember, there was the, the Protestants, the Catholics, there was all these beefs, right? Mary the First of England was like a very devout Catholic, mm-hmm. and then Elizabeth came and, and took over after her death and really was the Protestant queen. Right. And so by the time she passed away, there was still a lot of turmoil happening in England regarding religion. And so when it was decided that, so he was James, I believe, the sixth of Scotland. Okay. And then when Elizabeth died and he took over both Scotland and England, he became James James the first of Great Britain, of everything. So he was technically the first king of like both domains. So he got like upgraded. He got upgraded. Yeah. Okay. So everyone was like, oh my God, his mother, Mary Queen of Scots, like crazy devout Catholic herself. Like he's going to be our new Catholic king. Like this is so great. All the Catholics were rejoicing. And then they were like, oh, LOL, JK. He is also a very devout Protestant, I guess. Oh. And so just kind of started perpetuating the same thing that Elizabeth had done and really kind of trying to enforce like the. I'm trying to avoid this word, but you know, I have to say it. Trying to keep pushing Protestantism. (laughs) So anyway, so here we are. James the first of Great Britain. Okay. Of everything up there in the aisles. Um, So he is now reigning and the year is 1603 is when he takes over. Got it. All these people that all these Catholics were really upset because they were like, cool, we thought we were going to get like our religion back and we're not mm-hmm. we have to do something about it dun 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 on top of it too it's noted in history that james the first was like so something to note about kings and queens and everything is that they rule because they were given a divine right by the gods god whoever mm-hmm. to rule and that their rule and their word is an absolute right so James took this to like the next level. Oh really? Like he could not be wrong. It is written I was like doing some just like side research on him of course. But it was like he was constantly like on at odds like with parliament and everyone cuz he's like but I say this. So like that's what goes and that's finite and he would just like not entertain any other idea. His plan and his final rule was it. And so there was a lot of turmoil there as well gotcha so the catholics are upset because they were like here we thought we were going to have a king again too after coming out decades under a queen a lot of people sexist right like we're being like <laughs> oh my god finally a man right yes, cool and a man, a man who is never wrong Woohoo! oh gosh <laughs> just what we need so there's some drama <laughs> happening right yeah you know like and yes yeah, so people the people got fed up and a man by the name of Robert Catesby, was extremely unimpressed. Okay. <laughs> he was a very devout Catholic himself, and he had a lot of bad jujus against the crown because Elizabeth I had actually persecuted and I believe murdered his father 
for being a Catholic who refused oh. to convert to Protestantism. So he had a chip on his shoulder. Definitely a huge chip on his shoulder. Fair enough. Lots of beef, yeah. So Robert got some dudes together, and one of those dudes' name was Guy Fox. Okay. And so this is in 1604. And so then for the next 18 months or so, they start plotting away to kill the king and all of his goonies. So what they pretty much try to do is they say, okay, Parliament was on a break, and Mm -hmm. they were going to reconvene on November 5th of 1605. And I think this was like May of 1604 when they really started plotting it. Okay. So they're like, we got about a little bit over a year. We're going to plot this out. But when Parliament is back in session... And the king is president and everything. We're going to blow up the House of Lords. It's going down. It's going down. Okay. Literally, actually, it's going up because it's getting blown up. Touche. Boom. Touche. Huge boom. Hashtag boom. <laughs> so uh, they were clearly playing the long game because that's a very long time. I guess I'm, I've never planned something like this, so I don't really know how much time it takes. But Same. It seems like... <laughs> A, a, a fair amount of time to give yourselves. I feel like you probably have to have a lot of contingencies, a lot of planning. I don't think you can just like walk in and and do it. No, do no, it. No. And so they did. So they started off in 1604, and what they did is they rented a house like around the corner, and that was kind of like like their, a clubhouse, like a little clubhouse. Oh. But it was around the corner from the House of Lords, so they were nearby. They had a good central location meeting place but they rented it early so that it was just like random guy actually guy fox was the one who quote unquote rented it but he had a fake name of john johnson (laughs) because if you're ever going to go by a fake name it should be something as inconspicuous as john johnson Johnson. (laughs) absolutely so anyway john johnson johnny johnson moves in in 1604 around the corner from the House of Lords. And so they're living there. That's kind of like their headquarters. So they're nice and close and whatever. And then in March of 1605, so again, like, whatever, eight months before the plot, um, they actually rent out a cellar that's located directly beneath the House of Lords. Interesting that you can just, like, rent out a cellar underneath a government building. Where, like, the king's going to be at sometimes. I I don't understand the dynamics. Yeah. I had a lot of pictures of, like, Game of Thrones, like Cersei and the, what is it called? The green. The gr- fire. Fire water? No. The green stuff. I know. I remember for <laughs> the finale, I made green jello shots. Fire water. No. Fireball. <laughs> Fireball. <laughs> 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 Anywho. <laughs> anyway, you guys know what we're talking about. The green stuff that blew up. The green up. stuff yeah. that blew up all of Green Game of Thrones. This is what I had in my mind and maybe could have even inspired this whole theme in Game of Thrones. For sure. But, so yeah. So they rented out the cellar. And yeah, their plan was to fill this cellar with gunpowder. Mm-hmm. Kaboom! Again, hashtag boom. So that's what they did. So over the next couple of months, they slowly started moving in these barrels in like the darkness or something. I don't know how you manage that, but they did. So the plot obviously was well on its way. You know, they were kind of like laying the groundwork. They were doing all their due diligence. And they kind of decided in the end, it would be Guy Fawkes down in the cellar. He would be the one to light the fuse and then run and get out of there and and his task was then to go to continental europe 
where he had connections with Catholic Spain Mm -hmm. to kind of perpetuate like the plight of the plotters who were going to pretty much overthrow the government at this time. They were going to blow everyone up, be like, "Mm, they're dead, so we're going to take over now. And so they were going to, his job was to kind of go around Europe to make sure that all the leaders were on board with their regime. Okay, so he had he had quite the tasks ahead of him. He had a big to-do list. He had a very big to-do list. Light the fuse. Hopefully it's long enough. Run. Hopefully he doesn't get blown to up too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Talk to all these, like, governments. And Hi, I'm John Johnson. Hi, I'm John Johnson. <laughs> Would you like to talk about Catholicism in the UK? <laughs> Have you heard the good news? <laughs> All right, that's bad. All right, so he's got a lot on his plate. He's got a lot on his plate. (laughs) And so also there was other people, obviously, with other tasks. I think there was, like, in the end, like, 10 or 12 plotters. There was Catesby and then Mm -hmm. Guy Fawkes and a couple other guys. Like Ocean's Eleven, but not. Yeah, there was some some players. Okay. So uh, after Fox, uh, Guy Fox was to light the barrels, another plotter named Sir Everett Digby Ooh. was to start an uprising in the Midlands. What does that mean? So Digby and another plotter named Ambrose Rookwood, which like, I Why just do they have such regal names? love these names. <laughs> They're regal. <laughs> but they were, both of them were very powerful landowners in the Midlands, which mean they had access to men, to munition, whatever they could get their hands on. Right. And horses, everything that, I don't know, one would need to create an uprising they were the supply guys sure so they're like cool we're gonna help you so after the bomb goes off we're gonna go over here in the midlands we're gonna wrangle the troops we're gonna go and then kidnap king james daughter oh wow and then we're gonna make her our puppet okay so they were like cool we're gonna do all this with our all of our horses and our land and our money we're gonna kidnap elizabeth and then we're gonna make her our new queen Elizabeth II. But, like, really, she's not going to be queen. She's just going to be our puppet. Gotcha. So kind of what they, if you remember, too, again, referencing back, um, in between uh, King Edward, I'm like, I'm trying to remember what Henry VIII's (laughs) son's name was. A little (sighs) 16-year-old boy. Anyway, he died very young. Right. And he tried to install his, like, seventh cousin or something like that as his... Successor, successor instead of Mary the first mm-hmm. and uh, they were just using her as a puppet like she didn't want to do it but she lost her head for it so RIP anyway back to our story and our plotters but so that was his duty up there but in late October so literally just days before the plot was to take place on November 5th a man named Lord Monteagle received a suspicious letter. Ooh. And so Lord Monteagle was one of the lords of the House of Lords. Right. So he received this letter and it pretty much said, don't come to Parliament on November the 5th. Oh. Oh. Yes. Was there a traitor in the mix? Yes. Oh, shoot. So after some discussion with his peers, he like talked to like one guy, uh, Lord Salisbury, and it was decided that the best course of action was actually a last minute reaction, which I actually really like this idea. I feel like when someone warns you of something, mm-hmm. your first thing is to start investigating and seeing what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. But first and foremost, I don't know exactly what kind of detail was in this letter. Um, but if some, their idea was this. If something was being plotted, 
Let them plot it. Let them get so close and get all their plans in place and be in their little, you know, spots where they're meant to be. And at the last second, the government swoops in and catches them actually in the act. That's smart. Very smart. Because it's not like you're accused of plotting something that's very easy to be like, no, I wasn't, or we didn't actually do anything. So how are you going to know that we (laughs) were actually going to do it? No, we didn't. I wasn't going (laughs) to actually do it. (laughs) Yeah. So, but if like you're there, if Guy Fox is there, like about to light a bunch of uh, barrels on fire. Touche. You cannot come back from that, John Johnson. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. So I kind of thought this was very smart, but very reckless also, because if you don't catch them last second, like catastrophic. Right. I'm so curious what sort of detail was in that letter or if it was just kind of like, don't go there. (laughs) Okay. So funny that you should ask, because I have a little popcorn reading assignment that I'm going to throw to you, Deanna. Oh, okay. Okay. So I do just want to point out before I give Deanna this to read is that I'm very thankful for the internet because they offered... The original transcript of this letter and then a simplified one. Nice. Because no one wants to read yield thou out hearken hearken blah. No one understands that. So anyway, here is the simplified version. Alright, so Michelle has handed me a piece of paper and it reads My Lord, out of the love I have for some of your friends, I want to make sure you are safe. Because of this, I would advise you to not attend this sitting of parliament because God and man have agreed to punish the wickedness of this time. Do not think this is a joke. Go to your estate in the country where you will be safe because although there is no sign of any problem yet, this parliament will receive a terrible blow, but they will not see who it is that hurts them. This advice should not be ignored as it may do you some good. And it can do you no harm because the danger will have passed as soon as you have burned this letter. I hope God grants you the grace to make good use of it and that he protects you. So that's kind of vague. But like kind of not, but like kind of vague. (laughs) Kind of yes and no. (laughs) I don't know how I would react if I got this note. Out of context, not knowing what we know now in history, maybe kind of vague. Real weird. Yeah. A little weird. Knowing what we know now, fair. Fair. Yeah. He mentioned something about something being blown up or whatever. Um, This parliament will receive a terrible blow. Exactly. So it's like, who knows? Either way. So he gets this letter. Mm -hmm. They decide, you know what? Let's not do anything now. Because if we catch anything, they could just adjust their plans. Also, that's another thing, right? They can adjust their plans. So let's take a beat. And then once we get closer to November 5th, then we're going to strike. But let's hold off for now. Makes sense. Yeah. But one of Lord Monteagle's servants was like in with the plotters in some sort of way. And he actually warned them that Lord Monteagle got this letter. And he like knows something's going to happen. They were like, oh my God, no, it's so fine. Like, let's all go and blow up this building. Like, (laughs) let's rage, boys. Like, let's go. So it's November 4th. Okay. The, the day before said explosion. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And Lord Monteagle's letter is looming on everyone's mind. So Lord Salisbury, the first guy that he showed the letter to, was like, okay, let's have the premises searched. Let's see what we can find. Just like make sure, I don't know, see what we can find, whatever. Right. So in the first search that they did, they did find a pile of firewood in one of the cellars, which is like 
not too suspicious, I guess. Yeah, I mean, do you need a, a lot pile of firewood? Of wood. It's I, November. It's cold. Do you need fires? Yeah. yeah. Not too worried about that. But it was the second search that happened around midnight where they found good old John Johnson, <laughs> a.k.a. Guy Fox, hanging out next to 37 kegs of gunpowder. He was just chilling. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm John. Welcome to my cellar. <laughs> Welcome to my cellar. Would you like to purchase some gunpowder? And they were like, wow, good one. Come with us. <laughs> so no big deal, but... Eventually, after some cat and mouse games, too, like, they started interrogating him, tor- torturing him, even, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't give up the names. I think he eventually did after, like, a couple of days of torture. Yeah. But while that was happening, all the other plotters had kind of, like, escaped up to the Midlands, different areas. Eventually, they all got caught. They all got found guilty of treason yeah and they were all sentenced to be hung drawn and quartered which like we're gonna take a little deviation here to just talk about what this means because i feel like it's mentioned a lot in ye olden times it's dark but i I don't think i actually ever knew what it was i actually think i do know this so if you don't want to hear about how you torture someone in this way just skip ahead 30 seconds but if you do and you're twisted like us Stick around. What you got, Michelle? So here is what Wikipedia has to say. Okay. So it says, To be hanged, drawn, and quartered became a statutory penalty for men convicted of high treason in the Kingdom of England after 1352, although similar rituals are recorded during the reign of Henry III. The convicted traitor was fastened to a hurdle or a wooden panel and drawn by horse to the place of execution, where he was then hanged almost to the point of death, but not death, emasculated, disemboweled, beheaded, and quartered, chopped into four pieces. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second. Emasculated, disemboweled, beheaded, and then quartered. His remains would then often be displayed in prominent places across the country, such as London Bridge, to serve as a warning for the fate of traitors. For reasons of public decency, though, women were never uh, like convicted in this way. They were instead burned at the stake. Cool. So anyway, yeah. They would cut off their John Johnsons, take out all their guts, chop off their heads, and just like scatter them amongst the country cool yes they're a psa so anyway that was really fun to look into and i feel like i am now on some sort of watch list neat (laughs) maybe you should google that differently in the future yeah absolutely so anyway yikes (laughs) so apparently fox guy fox wasn't down with this because i guess when he was in line to the gallows i guess uh he jumped to his death and, and died of a broken neck instead so I don't know if this was like after he was hanged, but not hanged to the point of death. It was like maybe to go get his John Johnson cut off. I don't know. Got it. Either way, he did it himself. I don't blame him in this point. No. <laughs> after reading that. So that is actually why I looked up how that process works. Because I was like, oh, you didn't want to. But like, was it that bad? Like, I think it was bad. But like, how bad? It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. So, a year later, in 1606, uh, King James actually declared the 5th of November a holiday for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that the plot was foiled and... Yeah. Spoiled? Foiled. 
Foiled? Foiled and spoiled. Both. Both. Cool. Uh, and so then he passed the Observance of 5th November Act, also known as Gunpowder Treason Day. So after people had heard about this failed attempt at, like, blowing up Parliament, um, people, I guess the townspeople, celebrated by lighting bonfires in the act of Thanksgiving. And a tradition, this is a tradition that actually still holds true today, which is why most often you hear it referred to in modern times as Bonfire Night. Got it. And we'll kind of talk about that in a second, but... Um, apparently at its inception, like when they first started celebrating this day, they would burn effigies of the Pope and like an effigy is like a little like doll or figurine or whatever. Oh, okay. So they would like burn little like voodoo Pope dolls in these bonfires, like again, in like an anti-Catholic sort of sentiment, um, because the supporters, you know. Catesby and, and Guy Fox and all of them, they were all Catholics. So they would burn these little voodoo pope dolls and then they would just celebrate, whatever. At some point in the 17th century, or I'm sorry, 1700s, <laughs> people switched the pope for Guy Fox himself. Oh, okay. And so this is why it's a very popular misconception that Guy Fox was the ringleader of the gunpowder plot. And he was not, it was really Catesby. But everyone... He was the fall guy. He's the fall guy, yeah. And so now it's like everyone thinks about this night and they think about Guy Fawkes. When you think about, again, going back to the top, the movie V for Vendetta, Mm -hmm. he's wearing a Guy Fawkes mask. That's what that mask is. Yep. And he's referencing him in whatever, but like really... It's not, it wasn't Guy Fox. He was just a part of the bros. Oh, so he got all he got all the glory. Kind of. The yeah. In, infamy for this night. Yeah. So today in England, as well as actually parts of Canada, Bonfire Night is still celebrated. I think sorry anyone that li- like celebrates that this is incorrect. I tried to do my due diligence on the internet, and this is what the internet told me. <laughs> Um, is that maybe the actual deeper meaning to it has kind of faded over time. And really it's become more of like a celebratory, like autumnal festival of community. For sure. People gather together and they have bonfires. I mean, who doesn't love a good bonfire? In November. Literally perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, apparently another food that's commonly eaten is like bangers and mash. Hmm. I saw if you can make... The bangers on the bonfire, even better. You know, there's a mulled wine is a big thing. Again, November, peak time for stuff like that. For sure. And so people just like gather and get together and they shoot off fireworks and people wear Guy Fox masks, like as like a like a joke, I guess. I don't know. So anyway, there is a little nursery rhyme that goes along with this. And this I definitely remember, I think, from V for Vendetta. But it's, remember, remember, the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot. We see not reason why gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. And that is the story of gunpowder plot, treason night, bonfire night, Guy Fox, all of the above. Thank y'all. You're welcome. I thought that, I remember looking into this a lot when I saw the movie V for Vendetta. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting night. I'm also a big fan of The Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. 
You got me hooked on it. Yeah. And they talk a lot. A couple of the contestants on there have mentioned before, like, oh, we make this for bonfire night. Like, it's a big tradition, whatever. And it's like an apple cinnamon cake, you know? Like, So to me, when I think of, like, bonfire night, I almost kind of think of an in-between from, like, Halloween and an American Thanksgiving. For sure. Um, Which is why I want to talk about it today, because last week we talked about Halloween Bonfire night's coming up on Friday. Yep. So I just thought it was perfect time to kind of talk about that and also give a great movie recommendation. For sure. I feel like it's really interesting um, the more you learn about holidays and the origins versus how they're celebrated now. Yeah. Um, this is a perfect example of that. Like it was one thing that's probably turned into another thing over the course of, you know, the years. Right. Um. But yeah, it's really interesting to know the origins of that. Yeah, because you have to think half the people celebrating this holiday are actually celebrating a failure. Mm -hmm. But then half are celebrating a success? I don't know. Like, it depends on how you look at it, I guess. Like, no one got blown up, but is that a good or a bad thing? I don't know. Depends on what side you're on, I guess. I guess. Are Hmm. we picking sides here? Probably not. Can I wear yellow? It's my favorite color. You can do whatever you want. All right. That's cool. (laughs) Anyway, that is the story of the day. We hope you guys enjoyed and that you'll learn a little something. And I feel like this Friday, I'm definitely, I don't know. I'm going to want some malt wine. Maybe I'll celebrate a little bit. I'm in. Maybe we'll bring Bonfire Night to Chicago. Okay. I think Chicago might be a little uh, adverse to fires, and and we'll talk about that in a future episode. (laughs) Yeah. So, Chicago and fire, (laughs) they don't go well together. I don't don't know if we're going to hit much traction on this, but let's see what we can do. Yeah, 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 you're right. Our soccer team is literally named the Chicago Fire, but there's a reason for that, and it's not a good reason. Yeah, so so stay tuned for a future episode on that. We'll light a candle. We'll drink lots of malt wine instead. Done. I'm here for it. Thank (laughs) you so much, Michelle for pulling us all together thank you to our listeners we really appreciate all the love and support we've received can't believe we're at episode 20 i cannot believe it next week our our podcast is 21 and they can drink and they can go to the bar so excited heck yes so excited so, so if you, excited. If you guys want to uh, continue to support us obviously follow us on instagram facebook twitter it's all historical podcasts super simple um if you want to check out some of our source material or you want to contact us you can go to our website historicalpodcast.com shoot us an email historicalpodcast at gmail.com and check us out on all the things and we hope you enjoyed today's episode and we hope you guys have a great bonfire treason guy fox slash all the things day yeah what she said (laughs) bye bye okay no seriously let's hang out i've never had mulled wine i don't believe what is what is a mulled wine it's like literally delicious it's like hot wine with fall seasonings it's delicious here for it like a like a psl wine we'll do that we'll make some bangers and mash Okay. Done. Here for it. Let's do it. Or maybe like a caramel apple. I don't necessarily know if that's bonfire or night, but like it sounds like it tracks. I'm in. I just need a caramel apple before the season is out. Done. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Bye. Bye.